You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Well, welcome to Fort Myers Community Church. My name is Bill, one of the pastors here. Um, so glad that you're here. Those things usually can throw you off, but we're going to keep rolling. How's that sound? Awesome. Grab a Bible. Open up to Second Kings. What? We're in the middle of a series called Joy. We're going through the book of Philippians. We're going to take a little pause, a little break. We're going to jump back into 2 Kings chapter 4 uh, and talk a little bit about a story because this morning we have a family meeting, and this family meeting is huge. And before we go into talking about vision, before we talk about the future, before we talk about any other things, I really believe that we as a church, we need to uh, set a foundation. We need to set a foundation to talk about who God is and what he has done. Because ultimately, we don't want our desires to come to fruition. We want God's desires to come to fruition. I mean, think about it. Our God is so big. He spoke and created all things. I mean, just from a word from his lips, trees and mountains and rivers and fish and you and me, we were created by him for his glory. It's our desire that we would be the type of church that would be God-glorifying, that we would be Jesus-centered, and that we would be Spirit-led. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over us because the Lord has a word uh, for me. This is, this is a hard passage for me to teach because this is something that the Lord is, is currently teaching me. It's something that He is stirring in me, something that He is convicting me of. Um, but man, it is so good. And my microphone is back on, and I'm going to try to make the transfer. Hello. Hello. Yeah? Sweet. Let's hear it for the AVL team. They're killing it. Hey, so um, I know it may not seem like a lot, but just to put one screen up there, because no one liked going like this to look at the words, um, took like hours and hours and hours of our team's time this week. And so let's hear it for our team, Sean and Ben, uh, Eric and Chris, all those guys um, that have just done a great job just serving us. Franz was here uh, ripping up the drum cage. I mean, I came in, and he had the drum cage like over his head, and he was just walking it out of the door. Um, so, so excited. Um, so thank you guys for doing that hard work for us. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that going into your word, that we would go in with awe and wonder, knowing that You are amazing. You are awesome. And that you have restored a broken relationship with us because of our sin through the power of Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. And so on this, uh, what we know as Palm Sunday, what we know as the beginning of, of Passover week, God, that that we would just be in awe and celebrate that you love us and that you deeply desire relationship with us. So God, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your son. And thank you for not keeping Jesus dead, but raising him up to the newness of life so that we can have a restored relationship with you and that we can spend eternity celebrating and worshiping your name. So God, I thank you for your word. I pray that the truths in the passage today would impact our hearts and our minds for your glory. It's in your name that we pray. So uh, I think we can all relate to the fact that life is full of circumstances and obstacles and those 
kind of come to fruition through problems. Um, and so the bad news is, is that we have an adversary who is a problem starter, right? There is an adversary, the devil, who is a problem starter. John 10.10 comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But the good news is that we have a God that is a problem solver. And that's the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. Because um, I don't know about you, but I think I'm in good company with control freaks. Anybody else control freaks? Right? But no? Okay. Um, just me then. Uh, but we, we like to control our environment. We like to control what we're doing. But when problems arise, we can't control. We lose control. But if you think about it, about the God who is in control of all things, is that before you were born, hundreds of thousands of things had to happen for you just to be born and to be sitting here today. And you had no control over any of that. Your mom, your dad, no control over any of that. The Bible says that we were knitted together in our mother's womb. I mean, just to enter into this world. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Just to enter in the problem of having to go through something like this, have something like this go through something that's like, it, it, it doesn't even make sense. If you're a geometry major or physics, right? doesn't make sense how we could even enter into the world. And I know that that sounds crazy. I'm going to try to keep this PG. But uh, when Sayla was being born, my first daughter, um, I was in the room uh, with my wife. We actually had a few people there. My mom was there. Her mom was there. Her sister was there. And we were uh, all um, there and celebrating and excited and um, encouraging my, my bride to, you know, push and go. And, and um, as it all was happening, I looked down. And what came to mind and what came out of my mouth, I regret till this day, probably the biggest... Uh, husband fail ever, but I uh, was there, and I looked down, I'm like, her head is not that big. Don't ever say that to your wife who is in labor. Um, I think every single person in that room, including the doctor, looked up at me, and they were like, right? They were, but it's, to me, I'd never been around a baby before. I never knew how small their heads were. I was thinking like a toddler, right? But, but still, Something that big, going through something that, it just doesn't even make sense. It's a huge problem coming into this world. And we have no control over those things. But we have a God who is in control of every problem we will ever face, every circumstance, every obstacle. It's an opportunity to bring glory to his name if we trust him alone to be our problem solver. So, 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have or what have you in the house? She said, Your servant has nothing if you're a Bible writer, please underline that. She said, your servant has nothing in the house except, underline that, a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside so she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And as she poured, 
they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. So she came and told the man of God. And he said, now go and sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on the rest. Man, what a beautiful passage of scripture that talks about the, the provision of God for his people. That God has called us to trust him with all things, no matter how big or how small. I mean, in our family, we joke around a lot about first world problems, right? The problems that, that we face that are first world problems, like when you get the chicken nuggets out of the air fryer and put them on your kid's plate, and they, you, know, you grab the ketchup and you hear the, and there's nothing that's coming out, and you're out of ketchup. It's a first world problem. Like, not a big deal. We have food. We have a fridge full of stuff. We have a whole pantry. But then we could lose our minds. My kids could lose their minds because we don't have any more ketchup. Oh, this is disgusting. I can't eat a chicken nugget, fried chicken, right, without ketchup. But how often do we do that about so many things in our lives? I mean, often my wife and I will look at each other when we're, like, really struggling with something. We're like, oh, yeah, first world problem, right? Oh, the battery to, to the, you know, one of the two vehicles that we have is dead. Right? And some of these are really, really maybe minuscule. But then we face huge problems. Cancer, hurt, sin, adultery, divorce. Things that, that really can hurt and wreck our lives. But there is no problem that's too small. Or no problem that's too big for God to handle and to solve. And so when we look at this, we see this, this story laying out. And what we're seeing here is the sovereignty of God and the provision of God and how he always provides for his children. So here's what we're seeing. Here's the background. Here's what we know. This woman, who we don't know her name, her husband was a priest. And Jewish tradition would potentially say that this uh, priest was Obadiah. There's, there's no biblical context for that, but that's Jewish tradition. Um, and it would kind of make sense because uh, Obadiah was known for caring for 50 other prophets, and so he was trying to hide them, and so he was providing for their needs. And so it would make sense that he wouldn't have enough for his family. But also in that um, generation and in that culture, it wasn't... Uh, abnormal for a priest not to have a lot for his family. And so we, all we know is that there's this woman whose husband was a priest who died. He sat underneath Elisha's care. And Elisha knew him and discipled him and shepherded him. And he knew that this man feared the Lord. But what we know is that these creditors now are coming to call a debt. Now in Leviticus, the law said at that time that if you had a debt that you couldn't pay, you basically had to work it off. And so, since the husband wasn't around because he had died, the creditor came to take the two sons. And they were going to have to work off the husband's death until the year of Jubilee. And so, this is what we're seeing here. The problem, they owed money, he, they had to pay the money, and now in verse 2, Elijah says, she comes to Elijah, and she's like, what do I do? Help me. And he says, what can I do for you? What do you have? Turn to your neighbor and say, what do you have? Because this is, this is hugely important because often we want somebody else to solve our problems. Enter into America, right? We're looking for somebody else to solve our problems. And he's saying, what do you have? Or another way, what has God given you? And how does she answer this? She uses two huge words here that I use often. Nothing except 
Nothing. Except, what is she saying here? She's belittling what God has given her. How often do I do that? My ability, my worth, my purpose, what I have, I'm just belittling it. I have nothing. Nothing. Except, and then what am I doing? I'm doubting that God can use what I do have. Nothing. I'm belittling what God has given me, except, and now all of a sudden, I'm doubting God. God can't use this. This isn't enough. I'm not talented enough, gifted enough, strong enough, smart enough. So I'm doubting what the Lord has given me. Nothing, except, see, God has given all of his children something to use for God's glory. God has given all of us something to use for his glory. God does not care what you do not have. He calls you to use what you do have. This is stewardship. That's a Christianese word for using all that the Lord has given to us for his glory. See, what she's doing in this moment is she's magnifying her circumstances over the greatness of God. Ever do that? Or is that one just me too? That I begin to magnify the problem that's in front of me over the greatness of my God. See, God doesn't promise that everything in life is just going to be you know, cupcakes and rainbows. There's no promise found in here that's like that. But what we know is that for all of eternity, that once we go from, from physically alive to physically dead, if we trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that he will resurrect, right? That's what we're celebrating on Easter coming up next week, us into the newness of life where there will be no more hurt, no more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more want. And so we sit here on this side of eternity with all of these problems that we begin to magnify, forgetting that this life is but a vapor. Our uh, hamster died this week. Um, I wasn't planning this off script. Um, and it was sad for our girls. I mean, they just, they really loved Gus Gus. That was his name. Um, and, uh, and so what do you do? How do you uh, have a, you know, funeral for a hamster? And so went outside with the girls and dug a little hole in the ground, put in a little box and said, girls, this is just a reminder to us that life is like a vapor. And I was like, well, probably need to define that. What's a vapor? It's like, you know, in the morning when, you're, when you wake up on my car, you know, there's all that like water and dew on the side of my car. I was like, and you write in it and daddy gets mad because it messes up my nice clean car. Um, I was like, you know that? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, what happens like halfway through the day? They're like, oh, it's gone. It evaporates. Right? Homeschool. Good job, baby. Right? It evaporates. Yeah. Life is but a vapor. We're not promised tomorrow. What we do in life is we begin to magnify the circumstance, the problem over the problem solver. And so God has given us all something to use for his glory. But then what we see is that trusting God leads us to action. Faith leads us to action. Look at verses 3 through 5. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty the vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourselves and your sons and pour into all of these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. This isn't a magic trick. This is real life. Now imagine you coming to Tim or myself with a huge problem, a financial problem. And I'm like, well, what do you have? And you're like, got uh, some OJ in the fridge. And I'm like, all right, 
I want you to take, get a bunch of vessels from your neighbors, a bunch of containers, go home and start pouring it into all those containers. Wouldn't you kind of look at me or Tim a little bit like, what? Huh? Like you're crazy? But her trust and her faith was in a big God. And her faith caused her to go into action. Now, she went and said, eh, this isn't real, I'm just going to get one vessel. Right? right? I'm just going to try this out, and then if it works out, maybe then. How often do we do that? We test it, right? And it's like, well, I don't want to waste all of this time, God, on doing the things that you've told me to do. Like, maybe I'll just test it out, see if it works. Maybe I'll put, you know, if, if, if you say I give unto you, then you'll give to me, and you'll bless me. So I'll put 20 in, and if I get 40 back, then I'll give a real tithe next week. We play these games with God, right? But I'll just get one or two vessels that I have around the house. If it starts like overflowing out of this little container that I have, then I'll go to my neighbors and then I'll get more vessels. But no, she hears what the prophet says, trusts in a big God, right? Because her husband had led her there. Her husband who feared the Lord taught his wife and his kids to do that. And so she was like, all right, this is what the prophet says. I'm going to go. I'm going to trust that God is going to do something big, bigger than I can ever expect or imagine. And then so she goes and borrows a whole bunch of containers from her neighbors, empties them out, brings them in, starts filling them up one by one, setting them aside one by one. Just imagine the celebration in that room. If you don't know, in that culture, oil had a lot of value. And so she was literally seeing liquid gold pouring out of this little jar, going, what is happening? What is God doing right now? Get me another one. Get me another one. See, her faith, her trust, led her into action. And then what do we see here? Her, her obedience impacted the whole community. Now, where do we see that? Well, what happens? So at the end, in verse 7, she came and told the man of God, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your son can live on the rest. You know who was impacted by her obedience? Her sons. All of those neighbors that gave her a vessel, imagine being like, hey, you got my container back? You remember when you, you give your neighbor like one of your containers, you know, and they never give it back? You're like, hey, you got that, the Pyrex that I gave you? Yeah, I got to cook with that. Sorry, it's full of oil. How did, how, where did you get that from? You'll never guess. Look what God did. Right? And so it's impacting her, her sons, her neighbors. Now she's getting to sell all of that, and that impacts the whole community because now there's more of this in the community. And then God doesn't just leave her with enough to pay her debts, but what does he do? God always blesses us with more than we need. His purpose for his children is for us to be generous, to be generous our time, talents, our resources, and he'll always give us more than we need so that we could give it away. And I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about everything. Think of the feeding of the 5,000, this little kid. Five loaves, two fish. This is lunchable, right? Walks up to Jesus with it. I got my lunch. Can you use that, God? Right? What else? Peter and his fishnets. Not catching anything. God's like, hey, can I use your boat? Yeah, sure. Jumps in, he preaches, teaches people about the glory of God and the kingdom coming. And Jesus is like, hey, dump your net out of the side. I've been fishing all night. I'm tired. There's nothing out there. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit 
Just think about the Holy Spirit. When God is leaving his disciples, they're freaking out. No, we need you. He says, no, no, no. It's better that I leave you. Because when I go, I'm going to send you my helper, the Spirit of God, to dwell within you. He always leaves us with more than what we need. God provided what she needed, but gave her abundantly more. I love Ephesians 3.20. It's a verse that I've memorized, and I want my kids to memorize, because God will always use what he has given me for his glory. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And it has nothing to do with health, wealth, and happiness. It has everything to do with the fact that we had nothing. We were spiritually dead. We were broke. And we were an enemy of God. Then enters Jesus. Living the life that we couldn't live. Dying the death that we couldn't die. So that we can be an heir. An equal heir to the inheritance of Jesus. For the glory of God. A child of God. That's what we get through the work of Jesus. Nothing by what we have done, but everything by what he has done. And he doesn't leave us with just forgiveness for sins, but he gives us abundantly more. He has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that we can live this life out because we will experience problems and obstacles and hurts and habits and hangups. That is the beauty of the gospel. So God doesn't invite us to be generous because of what we have. He invites us to be generous because everything we have belongs to him. And we are called to steward it for his glory. So if that means you going upstairs and holding a baby and loving on a baby, while a young mom who is exhausted and hasn't had time to open up her, her Bible or sit before the Lord in prayer because she is up all hours of the night to go hold her baby so she can be sitting here and listening to the word of God taught, then that is being generous with your time. If it looks like you coming here on a Friday night to set up a screen so that people don't have to do this and crank their necks, but it's Friday night, right? TGIF, right? We want to go out to this restaurant and hang out and watch a movie. Instead, coming here, it's being generous with all that the Lord has given us for his glory. The Lord has provided for FMCC in such a huge way. God is doing some amazing things here. And um, I'm so excited that we as a church um, get to live in relationship with one another and begin to be a church that, that over the last three years here that has been the type of church that if we cease to exist, this community would actually miss us. We had an uh, email a couple weeks ago from Cypress Lake Middle School saying, hey, this summer our kids are not going to have any food because they depend on our breakfast and lunch that we give them for free through, through the state. And this summer they're not going to have food. Can we put together a food drive? We know that you guys can help us with this. They reached out to us for that. And so we're putting together this food drive for, for May. That's what the Lord has done in and through this church in just a short amount of time. And God is going to do abundantly more than we can ever ask, imagine, or think. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to worship the Lord. Band's going to come back on up. 
And then we're going to transition to a family meeting. If you're a guest with us, and I'll, I'll do this again at the end after the song, um, if you're a guest with us, we're so glad that you're here. You're more than welcome to stay here for the family meeting and hear what the Lord is doing uh, in and through the life of this church. Um, but at the same time, we also know that that could uh, be uncomfortable for some of you. So you're more than welcome at that point uh, to go grab your kids. Uh, our kids team is prepared for that. Um, but we do welcome you. We invite you to stay and hear what the Lord is doing because God is doing some amazing things. Um, and so we're super excited about that. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Jesus, uh, thank you that um, you have given us your son, Jesus. We can be in relationship with you. God, through him, we have all that we need. And every problem that we face and every obstacle that we come to, and every circumstance that sits before us, God, it is nothing in comparison to how great you are. God, thank you for giving us your word and stories like this so that we experience life and life to the full, that we may experience real joy in you when we are generous, when we um, give of ourselves for your glory, when we, when we spend time with people who are hurting and broken, when we serve those that are homeless, when we serve those that have uh, very little, when we when we give, even not out of our abundance, when we give out of sacrifice, God, that all of those things are beautiful and ultimately point a hurt and broken and lost generation to you and your glory. So God, I do pray that your name today is made great. That this is not about the name of a church or the name of a group of pastors, but God, this is about your name because it is at your name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are the Lord. So God, thank you for leading us to this place. And as we sing, God, I pray we sing in celebration of all that you are. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship?